Christ in all of Scripture. And uh, an exciting series. We get to preach through each book of the Old Testament. It's a, it's a challenge. This morning is no different as the book of Proverbs is a challenge as well. But each and every book is pointing us to Christ. Each and every book is pointing us to the center of all of God's word, which is Christ. And we have the opportunity to look at the book of Proverbs this morning. I was, I was thinking about, um, last week's sermon in Psalms and the depth and the emotions in the Psalms. And, and I, I was thinking about maybe if, if David took a Myers-Briggs personality test, I think David would be a feeler, right? Where his son, Solomon, where most of the Proverbs are attributed to, would be more of a thinker, straightforward thinker. Here it is, take it or leave it, wisdom. My son, you go this way, you die. You go this way, you live. Which way do you want to go? Right? And so Solomon is more straightforward. David is a feeler, thinker, or, and, and, and Solomon is, is very straightforward. Um, David is more of like, son, where do you want to plant your life? Plant your life by streams so that your life will blossom. You will see the fruit of its days. And Solomon's like, this way is life, this way is death. Which way are you going? So two different genres saying the same thing. Walk in the way of God. So let's place this book in the context of the biblical narrative. That's one of the hard parts of doing this Christ in all of Scripture is we're getting a new book every single week. But let's place the book of Proverbs in its context. God has said that the kingdom of David will have no end. There will be a messianic king in which will come through David's line. Second Samuel chapter 7 verse 12 is this promise that God gives to David and to us. And your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers. I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Second Samuel seven sixteen. a few verses later, and your house and your kingdom shall may be sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So the king who is coming His kingdom will be forever. Now we know and understand that this is depicting Christ who is in the line of David. That's why Matthew and Luke take pains to to tell us that the genealogy is from David himself. So Solomon comes on the scene who is the son of David. And it starts out well for him. God asked Solomon, what would you like... And Solomon asks for wisdom to rule God's people. He doesn't ask for material wealth or things, but he asks for wisdom. And God grants Solomon wisdom. 
without measure. First Kings 4.29 says this, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men, wiser than all these guys, Ethan the Israelite, Heman, Calcol, and Darda. Who, who knew Darda was that wise, right? The sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. So a collection of some of these proverbs is from... King Solomon. Some other writers are in the collection of Proverbs as well. But with this wisdom, this God-given wisdom, Solomon writes the Proverbs. And in the introduction of this book of Proverbs, he tells us he writes it to his son, who is going to be king after him. It's him fulfilling his duty as king to teach the law to his son. He's fulfilling Deuteronomy chapter 17, which talks about the king of Israel fearing the Lord by knowing the law and then applying the law of God in his life. And Deuteronomy 6, which teaches all of Israel to teach the law, the word of God, the Ten Commandments, the first five books of Scripture to their children. We know the passage in Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You think it's important? The Lord thinks that his word is important to impart onto your children. And guess what? Solomon is doing this through his writing of the book of Proverbs. He is essentially teaching his son the application of God's law in a creative, poetic way. The application of knowledge, which is wisdom. Think of it as teaching the Ten Commandments to your son. The first four are summarized by the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. The next six flow from the fear of the Lord, dealing with loving your neighbor. This is what Solomon essentially is doing. So it begs the question in, in the biblical narrative in the story of scripture what happens to solomon what happens to his son what happens to the wisest man upon the earth he doesn't apply god's wisdom in his own life and it's sad he happens to not be the one in which god 
will come whose kingdom will have no end. Solomon is not Christ. His son is not Christ. We know who would be the picture of wisdom, and that would be Jesus Christ. Solomon's downfall was foreign women who ended up leading him away from the Lord. And as for his son, Rehoboam, which most likely is the son whom he is teaching these proverbs, he ends up being a fool, not listening to the wisdom of his counselors. He makes the people work harder than his father Solomon In which his counselor said, you cannot make them work that hard. And he ends up losing half of the kingdom. And that's where the kingdom is split into the northern ten tribes and the southern portion, Judah. And so it doesn't go well for Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, whom the Proverbs is written. So who can fulfill the law of God? Who will perform the wisdom of the Proverbs? You guessed it. The one who is greater than Solomon. Amen? Matthew twelve forty two says this. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is speaking about himself. Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would be in the line of David and he would have the spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom in him. Isaiah 11, chapter 11, verse 1. There shall come forth a root, a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from its root shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Praise God that Jesus had perfect wisdom Upon the earth, not only fulfilling the law, but also practicing the wisdom of God in perfect application. Paul calls Christ the wisdom from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. Righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So just as Jesus has fulfilled the law... The wisdom of God was made manifest in and through Jesus Christ. When we read the Proverbs, we recognize our need for one who is wiser than Solomon, who declared himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. The son of David, who would fulfill the law and apply God's wisdom to each and every area of his life. So let us hear, when we read the Proverbs this morning, let us hear the wisdom of God and be amazed at his word. Open our hearts and our ears to the truth of living out the wisdom of God in every single area of our life. So if you'll stand with me, we stand in reading of God's word here at Northwest 
If you'll stand with me to read the Proverbs this morning. This is a summary. We chose this text because we believe that it summarizes the book for you, which in turn points us to Jesus. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 32 through 36. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 32. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. And do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me. Watching daily at my gates. Waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life. And obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we pray, as your scripture says, if anyone lacks wisdom, that we must ask our Heavenly Father who gives so graciously. And Father, we ask graciously for wisdom this morning as we read the scriptures, as we examine our hearts to hear of your truth, may we be reminded of your grace and your mercy in our life, that you provided, Father, the wisdom of God to come down from heaven to earth. And Father, that we have the perfect example of wisdom in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for giving us grace because we know we all fail to practice wisdom in our own lives. We thank you for your word this morning that would challenge us, uplift us, and encourage us to walk with our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've entitled um, the sermon this morning, Two Paths, Life and death. Everyone's heard of the proverbial fork in the road, right? Two paths. Which path to take? There's a famous poem written by Robert Frost. It's called The Road Not Taken. And it begins with this line, two roads diverged in a yellow wood and sorry, I could not travel both. He originally wrote the poem as a joke with his friend not being able to tell which hiking trail to take. And if you, uh, if you've been with us recently, we've, we've taken some hiking trails. Uh, some of our men just got back from Humboldt Peak and, uh, it was fantastic. But that was actually the second time I, uh, climbed a 14er in Colorado. The first time was back in 2011. There's a picture of my brother. We'll get to him in a minute. But it was Mount Bierstad in 2011. And my brother, who is an excellent climber, so he's an expert at climbing. He's an Eagle Scout. He's climbed many mountains, including ones that you have to have ice picks to go over glaciers and gear and guides and all sorts of fun stuff. He's way above my level, okay? So I go to, I agreed to go on this trek to Mount Bierstad and 
he assures me that it's going to be pretty easy, not too big of a deal, and we're off. And we get to the trail, at the trailhead, at the bottom of the mountain, and I can see so many people on what looks like at the beginning to be a paved trail, almost like you're going to Hefner Lake, right? And I'm thinking, okay, I'm watching kids go up this mountain, young people, you know, 12, 13 years old, and I'm seeing, you know, older people, 70, you know, go up this mountain, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I think I should be good. So uh, I begin to go up. It's, it's a little bit harder than I, than I wanted. But finally, we make it to the top of the mountain, and I'm seeing many people up on the top of the mountain. You get there and you, you, you get to the point and you take some pictures. We actually had some food, so we brought out our lunch and we, we sat down. Everything was great. And Jeff says, we're going to hit another peak before we go down. We're going to go down a different way. And I'm like, okay, you know, where, where, where are we going? <laughs> He's like, we're going that way. And I look to my way, you know, everybody's going down my, the way that we came up and the paved road. And I'm thinking to myself, but nobody is going that way. <laughs> uh, there's lots of rocks. It looks really hard. It's like a fork in the road. Do I, do I just go back down the path that I know is easy? And, and he, he's like, no, no, we're going that way. And so we kind of hem-haul around this, this, should we go back this way or are we going this way? And he finally just says, hey, I'm taking this road. No one else is going on, but I'm taking it. Are you in? And we trudge through what looks like a huge boulder field to get to this steep bank. And I'll show you a picture after we've gotten through this boulder field. You can put up a picture of my brother on the screen. This is him. He's enjoying life and he's just having the greatest time of life. This is me. The next picture, that's me. <laughs> so, and you can put up the next now, so this is after going through the boulder field. We get to this part, and he's like, yeah, we're going up that mountain right there. It's called the Sawtooth, and it's, it's almost literally impossible. It's like straight up with loose rock, and, and I'm afraid of heights. It's just not a good combination. And right about this time, we see the clouds starting to roll in, Right? I've got this huge boulder field behind me, the sawtooth in front of me, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going back the boulder field. Well, he talks me into going forward up the sawtooth. I can remember thinking, my wife is pregnant with Avery. She's never going to know her own father. This is not going to end well. Somehow we made it through the sawtooth, and on our way down, we're just walking through some grass, what looks like swamp, and I hit a sinkhole, and my foot goes down probably, you know, a couple feet, 
and I pull my leg out and my boot is gone. (laughs) And so I walked about a mile and a half without a shoe in the rain and it was glorious. (laughs) The point is, when there's a fork in the road, you cannot take both paths. This is what Proverbs is driving at. You are either on the path of wisdom that leads to life, or you've rejected God's wisdom and you're headed to death. The Bible calls this path the fool's path. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 begins with, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Later it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to go down the path of God, you begin with the fear of the Lord. And you end up on the path of the wisdom of God. But rejecting the path that leads to wisdom is the path of the fool that leads to destruction. And you cannot take both paths. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 14 says this, Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. I don't know which, which path was the path of wisdom and path of destruction, but the Proverbs tells us and warns us about the path of the fool that leads to death. They're warning signs. That you are on the wrong path. It's like you're on a one-way street going the wrong way. Have you ever done that before? I have. You're on a one-way street going the wrong way and you see the in big red letters, do not enter wrong way. It's really the worst feeling in the world, driving in a car without a care in the world, seeing that big sign, wrong way. Proverbs has a lot of these signs. Not to be enticed by the way of the wicked, the way of the adulteress, the way of the sluggard, the way of the fool. Wrong way. Turn around. Praise God, we have a Savior who has made a way for us who has gone before us walking in all wisdom that we may see, hear, and apply the wisdom of Christ. We see the wisdom of God on full display in the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And we get to chapter 8 in this story of Proverbs in the Proverbs, the book. It's an interesting chapter because Solomon uses wisdom personified as a person. He uses this fictitious character as this literary device to contrast the adulteress in the previous four chapters. As wisdom, as the beginning of, of chapter 8, he, it, she calls out above the sound of the seductress. Listen to what she says in, in 8 
verse 1. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? He says, she utters truth, verse 7, from my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. He, he goes on to describe wisdom as, as findable, as better than gold, which we sang about this morning. He says wisdom was there at creation. Listen to God's wisdom and where wisdom comes from. Verse 22, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. Chapter 8, verse 22, the first of his acts of old, talking about when wisdom was formed, when, where wisdom has been. Verse 23, ages ago I was set up at the, at the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there was no depth I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world when he established the heavens I was there when he drew a circle on the face of the deep when he made firm the skies above when he established the fountains of the deep when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress his command when he marked out the foundations of the earth then I was beside him like a master workman and I was daily his delight rejoicing before him all always rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. God was there when he formed the earth. Wisdom was right there. You know, it's, it's interesting before we get into a our verse 32 this morning, our text, it's interesting to note that when you read the Proverbs, it's, it's, it's almost like this is what the created order was meant to be like. The kingdom of God is meant to be like this. So what normally should happen in God's created order such as train a child up in the way he should go, he will not depart from it. This is normally true, and often the proverb tells us this will ultimately be true in eternity. But we understand too that we live in this broken world. We are read the next book of the Bible, which is the book of Job, which we'll talk about next week, and realize even the application of wisdom, sometimes it doesn't work out the way that we want it to in this broken world. God doesn't work like one plus one equals two. Sometimes he takes other ways to bring about his glory and his kingdom in this broken world. But verse 32 starts out thus. And now listen, oh sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. 
This is our first point this morning. Listen to God's wisdom and apply it. Listen to God's wisdom and apply it. There's, there's a difference between hearing and listening. There's a difference between having knowledge and applying that knowledge in wisdom. I love how, he, how, the, how Solomon says, Oh, sons, listen to me. It's, it's almost as if after he's just gone through creation and wisdom was at creation, he's taking us back into the Garden of Eden. Oh, sons of Adam, listen, and you who keep the way of wisdom are blessed. The blessings of God flowing forth from the spring of water coming up from the ground in the garden. That he has given every tree in the garden that is pleasant to look at is good for food. God's presence dwelling among his creation. The tree of life is there. Genesis 2 chapter 9. And out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life, God's blessing, his fruit, his favor upon his creation, his dwelling among his creation, able to take and eat and dwell in the presence of God, to partake of God's wisdom right there in creation. And then he gives the command. To apply the wisdom of God. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you will surely die. You see the two paths here? In the Garden of Eden, there's two paths. The path of God's wisdom, hearing and listening and obeying to the word of God and his commandment leads to life. But the rejecting of God's wisdom, the application of the knowledge, leads to directly to what? Death. Life and death. Blessed are those who keep my ways. If you want to see something here, you must not just listen with your ears. You must listen with your heart. You must apply the wisdom of God. Being wise is the application of knowledge. It was once described to me like this. Knowledge is knowing that there is a stop sign. Okay? You see it with your eyes. You know that it's there. You see the stop sign. That is good. But wisdom applies the brakes. <laughs> wisdom is the application of your knowledge. 
What areas of your life do you find yourself seeing a stop sign, knowing it is there, but not applying the brakes? Maybe it's sexual purity. Sex is meant for marriage, and marriage is intended to be a picture of Christ and the church. It's a picture of the gospel, which husbands love their wives. Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. And so any perversion of that is a perversion of the gospel, and thus it is anti-Christ. We'll get in that in Song of Solomon. That's in two weeks. We hope that that's the most well-attended service of the year, okay? So Song of Solomon in two weeks. But what other areas do you, do you struggle in applying the brakes? How about anger? Knowing that you're angry, do you continue on? Do you pray, seek peace from the Lord? How about gluttony? What about just the busyness of life? Spending time in the word of God. But praise God, we have a savior who has declared victory over sin and death, who wants now to give us victory in these areas of our life. But we must surrender to God's word. We must submit to God's path of wisdom In our own life, we must not quench the spirit of the living God which dwells inside of his people. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Verse 33. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. This is our second point this morning. It's thus. Seek God's wisdom and find life. Seek God's wisdom and find life. Look at the action of the one who finds life. What are they doing? They're listening. They're watching They're waiting. They're finding. There's an action on their part. So what is the motivation, right? Because I can say all I want to. Hey, church, go and seek God's wisdom. But what is the motivation of the heart that causes one to seek God's wisdom? To be enthralled with the wisdom of God. What is it? It's the fear of the Lord, which Proverbs tells us. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Where does this idea of the fear of the Lord actually come from? Actually, Exodus 20. God descends upon the mountain... To give the people the Ten Commandments in the days of Moses when he has brought them up out of slavery from Egypt. He descends upon the mountain. And the people are trembling in awe and the might and the power of God. And God gives them the Ten Commandments. 
And Exodus 20 gives us the scene after he has given them the law, the Ten Commandments. This is what it says, Exodus 20, 18. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear For God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. So I don't know if you caught that in there, but this is thus. The fear of God came before the people so that they did not sin. The fear of the Lord drives us to wisdom. I'm convinced that one cannot get on the path that leads to life without understanding the holiness of God. Who are we dealing with here? Because if we think that God is, is a teddy bear that you squeeze and cuddle with, that says, I love you, you're saved. You've been mistaken of who the nature and character of God himself is. He's the God of the universe who created all things and by him all things hold together. He is the God who swallows up men by the earth because of their disobedience, who strikes the priest dead for incorrectly handling the Ark of the Covenant, who destroyed the whole earth in the days of Noah because of their rejection of God and their sin. No, rather than a teddy bear, he is the God who came down from heaven to pay the debt of sinners. He is the God of salvation through judgment. Because of his grace, he took on the wrath that was deserved for us. You see that? He made a way for us to receive God's blessing. Without his sacrifice on the cross... We do not have God's salvation from his own wrath, his own holiness, his own righteousness, his own judgment. He is the God of salvation through judgment. And because of his grace, he has made a way to eat again from the tree of life. And that is only through the blood of Jesus Christ. God says, now I've given you life. Trust in the path that I've given you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus also said that he is the door. John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, the fear of the Lord 
is to place your faith in God's provision for his salvation because you know you need it. His way leads to life, but rejecting him and his path through Christ leads to death. Look at the verses here. Verse 35, forever finds me, finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. That favor goes back to the blessed. In verse 32, it goes back to the Garden of Eden, the blessings of God, the favor of God, finding life again with God's presence dwelling among his people. And verse 36, but he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. You know, Cain is, he's, he's struggling with his brother being received, the favor of God coming upon him. And it's not, he does not, God does not receive his sacrifice. And God says, sin is crouching at your door. It wants to destroy you, Cain. And Cain has a path to choose. To repent and find God and find life and find the blessing of God, the favor of God. God is warning Cain and he chooses to kill his brother in the field out of covetousness, out of rage, And he chooses death. He chooses separation from God. Rejection of the blessings of God. Verse 14 tells us the third point this morning. Rejecting God's wisdom leads to death. Rejecting God's wisdom leads to death. You see, this is the call of Moses at the end of his life. Again, if we're If we see these Proverbs as Solomon teaching his son the law, it comes into a fact that Moses at the end of his life, after he had given the law to his people, Moses says, choose life or choose death. Obey God or disobey God. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 30. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. So Moses is is saying, choose life. Now Solomon, through wisdom, is saying, choose life. And Jesus now says, choose life. John 3, 18 says this, whoever believes in him, talking about Christ, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. And this is the judgment. 
The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. All who hate me love death. Jesus says the people loved darkness rather than the light. All who reject God's path, who go their own way, they end up separated from a holy, righteous, eternal God for all eternity. They've rejected God's provision for salvation and thus love darkness rather than love God and his provision to Christ taking the path of wisdom. And this is the truth of the Bible from its beginning in the Garden of Eden to Revelation at the end of the book. God's truth is thus. There are two paths. One is the path of wisdom. One is the path of the fool. Do you ever feel like you just can't make a good decision in your life? Every decision you make feels like a poor decision. Maybe we ought to begin our day and our days with seeking the wisdom of God from his word and begin to see the world through the lens of the gospel of Christ. You see, when we understand that, we will dive into the scriptures. We will swim in them, knowing that God's path leads us to wisdom and to life. It begins with knowing the God of salvation and fearing this God which leads us to listening to wisdom and instruction and applying it through our obedience. Robert Frost's poem actually ends with these these words. It began, began with, there are two paths, I cannot travel both. It ends with these words, I took the road less traveled and it has made all the difference. The road less traveled is to obey the word of God in our culture today. But God has made the the wisdom of the world foolishness because of the cross of Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth the application of your word into our lives. We ask, Father, that if there are those here this morning who are traveling down the path against your wisdom, that, Father, that they would repent, humble themselves, and begin to seek the ways of God. Father, we thank you that you give us clarity in your word, in your truth, that we may be able to understand and respond in obedience to that.
Father, if our heart has become cold, Father, warm our heart by the spirit of the living God, the good news message of the gospel which transforms our hearts and our mind to desire the things of God. Help us to see you for who you are and your path is the way of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to respond in worship to the Lord God Almighty in His holiness. If you'll stand with me in responding to the Lord. There are people up front who would pray with you. If you're wondering if you should come down front, you probably should. It's a time to reflect upon who God is and ask for prayer in your life in certain areas. It may be sickness in your life. It may be problems. It may be you've gone down the wrong path. It may be you have not applied the brakes in areas of your life and you need to confess that to somebody. These pastors are down front to listen to you, to pray with you, to comfort you in that. The altar is open for prayer that people just want to go before the Lord in prayer this morning. Pastor David's going to lead us in worship.